0: Good morning everyone. Today's scripture reading is taken from Genesis chapter 12, verses one to nine, the call of Abram. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and the ones who curse you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was seventy-five years old when he departed from Haran. Abram took his wife Sarai and his brother's son Lot and all the possessions they had gathered and the persons whom they had acquired in Haran and they set forth to go to the land of Canaan. When they had come to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem, to the Oak of Moriah. At the time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and invoked the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed by on stages toward the Negev. Praise be to God.
1: Last week we began a new series entitled uh, God is a God who comes to us. That God continually comes towards us, comes to us to keep waking us up, that we might be alive to him and not to become stuck. Not becoming stuck in our relationship, but to be able to respond so God comes to us. And last week we saw that God comes to us firstly through creation. The spirit moves upon the face of the waters and creation comes about through the handiwork of God. And God speaks to us, as we noted, the parable of created things. That through creation, creation becomes a parable. It's interesting, Jesus often will uh, reference creation. He'll say, you know, "Look, look at the birds of the air, learn from them. Look at the flowers of the field, learn from them. The parable of created things. And so God speaks to us and and wants to communicate with us, wake us up through creation. So not to fall asleep and just think about, you know, whatever our day is and just go with it, go with it, go with it, go with it, but to be able to pause and to be aware. So God coming to us firstly through creation, saw that in Genesis 3. So now, today we pick it up with Genesis 12, the story of Abraham, and here we we have a leap. We have a leap from God speaking simply through creation to now speaking to a person and and beginning a real relationship with a person. We we could reference Noah before, but in a a deeper way, in the history of Israel, it, it begins with Abraham. So God speaks to Abraham moves beyond speaking through creation, but now speaking person to person. No longer an abstract idea, but God revealing himself to Abraham, even as he desires and does reveal himself to us. So Coretto writes on that, the statement, my poor human personality has finally found the other with whom it may speak. The other is God in his being, his truth, his love. Meaning that we we do not simply relate to our universe around us as this, you know, an amazing creation of just stuff. But now we are invited to move into the relationship with the Creator and how he reveals himself to us. So, in that sense, God is the other and he speaks to us in his being. His truth and his love. So that's where we're going in in Genesis 12 as we start. And so, verse one, it begins Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. So God speaks. And if we just back it up a little bit to the end of chapter 11, it seems that God had already uh, spoken to Abram's father. Uh, Terah. And so you see in chapter eleven thirty-one 31 that Terah takes Abram and his grandson Lot and they move out from Ur of the Chaldees, which is way down in the south, south, uh, you would say southern Arabia. And they move north. They set out and they come travel to the north, up to the areas of uh, through Babylon and Iraq today. And they stop in a place called Haran. And for whatever reason, uh, Abram's father decides that he, he's not going any farther. The invitation was to go out and leave Ur of the Chaldees and seek eventually the promised land. But he settles, he settles halfway. And he decides, for whatever his reasons, we don't know what they are, that he's not going any farther. So the journey has already begun. And then in chapter 12, verses 1 to 3, as we just read, God speaks to Abram personally, and says, I want you to leave. I want you to leave your settled community, and I want you to set out with me, and I will take you to the promised land. So Abram is called to leave his country, leave his security, move out from his culture, leave his father and family. You can imagine how all that would be. A big deal. And to set out and to travel with God and move towards a new culture, a new community. Establish a new reality for yourself. So in our own day, it reminds us of the story of the immigrants. The story even more of the refugee. Back in the early 1950's my father and mother decided to leave Ireland, Belfast, and strike out for the new land. They knew no one here. Had a hundred bucks in their pocket. And they are leaving their house. They had already bought a house. They were well-established. He had his own business. They leave all that to come to the new land. And I've often wondered why my father and mother even wanted really to do that, but they, they did it. And, and it was a big thing, leaving your family. And a number of you people, of our folks here in, the, in our church and beyond, you've had similar experiences. Or maybe you're in a, a situation where you had to leave because of violence or war or, or, or whatever. Real threats to you or to your family, you have to leave, so you leave. Well, Abram's story is a bit like that. He's called by God and he has to leave. And so there's an element of risk in all of this. We, we're not sure what it's all going to come about. My dad left Ireland. He didn't know. I mean, there's a risk. You're hoping everything's going to go well, but maybe not. But for the story here, for Abraham, God speaks to him, and he says person to person, we are going to go. I will go with you. So it's to move out in faith. It's to move out in confidence and to, and to leave. That's what's going on with Abram here. And when he does that, he has to put his security in God, trust in him, rather than your old gods. All the people, you know, from, whatever, from wherever had their own gods. It's interesting in Haran, where he and his father were living at this point, the, the, the god of choice in that community was the moon. It was involved moon worship. And so you can imagine in a, you know, in a rural community, a big full moon shining in your eyes, very powerful, lighting up the entire area at night. In that day, they, the worship was centered on the moon and the moon became a god. And so with the Incas, it's the sun, or it was the sun. It, we have our idol. Remember a number of weeks back we talked about Rachel when she was leaving her father she had the house gods hidden under her saddle. She was leaving but she didn't want to leave without the gods. But when we travel with God we are invited to trust in him, to be with him and to make God our center. Indeed. To go into orbit around God. If you're going to go to the moon, you want to do something around the moon and on the moon, you have to go and orbit. If you're going to go to Mars, you've got to go to Mars and then orbit. You make that the center. It's the gravitational attraction and pull. And when we travel with God, God becomes the one that we orbit around. He is our center. And we keep being attracted to him. The gravitational attraction keeps us in orbit, that's the idea. And so Abraham sets out. But he sets out with an element of risk and he is invited to place his trust and dependence on God, that's where it is. And that call for us is all, it's unique for each one of us. None of us are on exactly the same journey. Meaning your story is your story, mine is mine, and God speaks to us in the reality of our lives. So Joyce Baldwin writes, the call of God to each individual is intensely personal. For no two of his children are taken by quite the same path. But the outcome of obedience is far reaching. So if you think back in your life when God first spoke to you, you and your family, maybe you were the first one in your family to come to God. Maybe your parents or grandparents had What what was your dynamic in your family, with your friends? What was going on in your life? The call is intensely personal. So we need to be listening for God's voice and to be hearing him, responding to him in a person-to-person way. That's the invitation that Abram receives and he strikes out. First verse. Verses 2 and 3 reads, I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So it's interesting that God's call to Abram and to us is always established upon promises. His promise that he will indeed go with us. We will not travel alone. And so in verses 2 and 3, we we hear these, these imperatives. Note, I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you. I will bless those who bless you. Curse those who curse you. It's five times it's the personal pronoun I. I will do these things for you. God's imperative is always based on his promise. So when he invites you, he invites you to know his abundance. It's not to know a disastrous life. If you come in relationship with God, he establishes it upon promises. And ultimately that promise comes to us. Because we hear at the end of verse 3, and all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So that this initial series of promises that go to Abraham, all eventually come all the way down to us. So if Abraham is more or less 2,000 years before Christ, and Christ is 2,000 years before us, then those promises made to Abraham 4,000 years ago come all the way down to us through Christ, that we might be part of the people that was first established in Abraham. So Paul writes about it in Ephesians this way, That is, the Gentiles, that's us, have become fellow heirs, members of the same body, and sharers, note, in the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. God transcends time. A thousand years is like a day, we're told in the Psalms. So 2,000 years, 4,000 years. In the story of the history of the universe, 4,000 years is nothing. It's just there, it's gone. So God creates a promise to us 4,000 years ago. It sounds like a long time to us, but in God's time frame, it's not very long. And the promise that comes to his child, Abram, comes all the way down to us, Paul says That we are invited to become part of that people. That's part of the Easter story. That we become a somebody in relationship to someone. God is the someone. And each of us in our own story becomes a somebody. We are all all of us a somebody in relationship to God. God knows you. God knows me. He knows your story. You might be 18. You might be 88. It doesn't matter. He knows you. He knows me. And he loves us. He calls us personally. That's the great invitation. and That's That's the truth of the Easter story. God working in a new way in Christ to continue to create his people that will say yes. That's the invitation. And so when we hear this call based upon promise, that's what the text is saying, we really need to remember that our lives are more than simply what we do day to day. They're more than your job. We spend so much time thinking about our job and our career and how it will go and all the things I want to do. At some level, that's okay, but God is reminding us that the deeper vocation and calling we have goes way deeper than our job. Today, people are living in the 80s, 90s. Prince Philip just died at 99. That's a long time. So somebody retires somewhere in their mid-60s, you've got to go a long way from there to go to 99. So your your life is more than your job, more than your career. Your vocation is to move and grow in your relationship with God. That, That is your deepest calling. That's my deepest calling, to hear God's voice and to develop this relationship with Father, Mother, Son, Spirit, God who is pure spirit, neither male, neither female, he's pure spirit, and he reaches out to you, he reaches out to me, and he wants us to live in relationship with him. That's God coming toward us. First in creation, and then to us secondly in person. So we have the call. We have the call based on promise. And then finally we have Abram's response. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him. And Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Aaron. Abram works in a powerful way. Note, at 75, a whole new step is taken at this age. That's incredible. But more incredible is that Abram went. God speaks, Abram responds, and he goes. And that's what God invites us to do, to go. Striking out, Abram goes. What were all his neighbors and friends and other family members thinking, why are you leaving this area of Aaron? Your father stayed here. It's a beautiful place. Why are you leaving? A lot of people misunderstanding. With was the same. You go way back to Noah and is building the ark. Why are you building this ark? There's no water around here, must have seemed totally foolish. And a lot of people would be saying to Abram, it's foolish that you're going. But he strikes out in faith and trust and moves uh, towards the promised land. So it's important to realize that Abram moves out in faith and not in fear. We live our lives, all of us, to some degree, in fear. We really value security. We value that we are in charge. And I know what my next steps are. All of our ducks are in order. That's how we like it. But it's interesting. We're, we're not to live in fear. We, we've heard that in the Easter story. Do not be afraid. The angel says to the women at the tomb, do not be afraid. Do not live in fear. And the reality is that fear comes from autonomy. When we feel that we have to do it on our own and that God is not really with me, really walking with us, then we become afraid. So if you are wrapped up in fear and I am wrapped up in fear, it's fundamentally coming from our own sense of autonomy. That, you know, It's all up to me. It's up to me to figure things out. I can't have confidence in God. I can't trust. We all struggle with that to some degree. And so the answer is to stay close and to stay connected to God so that we are not apart from him, but we draw near to him. James says, submit to God, resist the evil one, and draw near to God. That's it, man. Yield to him, resist that dark wolf that lives within you that you need to be aware of, and carry on and draw near to God. So James says, and Abram's saying it, the story The writer of Genesis is saying it in his own way. So I am not alone. I have faith in God. I orbit around God. He is the one who is there for me. That's for you and for me. Whatever your story is right now, whatever my story is, will I travel with God and orbit my life around Him? He is always the center for me. And when we do that, we will no less fear because our trust will be in God, in the New Testament, in Christ through the Holy Spirit and so we end then with a few metaphors that come up in the text and the first one is journey we are on a journey we are pilgrims we are travelers with God language in the book of Hebrews is that we are sojourners Hebrews 11 calls Abram Abraham a sojourner and so we are on a journey with Christ we are sojourners early Christians were called followers of the way we are on a way It's a lifelong journey from generation to generation. All through our lives, God is calling us and we are traveling in our own way with him. So to recognize that we are travelers, the metaphor of journey, ups and downs in our journey, but we continue with our eyes focused on God and ultimately in Christ and to grow in our relationship with him, number one. Our journey. Secondly, we notice as the story goes on through up to verse 8 that, or quote, are Canaanites in the land. And, and that's a metaphor, a symbol here for those who resist. And so we come into resistance. It's not that everything just goes well for us, we, we live on planet Earth in a physical body. And we have our own challenges. There is resistance. There are Canaanites, if you like, meaning there are blocks in our own life. There's a story that comes out of the indigenous community, and I've already referenced this a bit, but it's it's an elder saying to a young child to be aware that in your growth, there are two wolves within you. And which wolf are you going to listen to? There is the one who is good. There is the one who is bad. And the elder is saying you need to listen to the one who is good. You need to listen and overcome whatever resistors there are, whatever blocks you are. How a young child would receive that, I don't know. But for us, we know for sure that internal battle And we are invited to keep staying close to God and trusting in him, even though there is resistance. Rachel moving out with the gods under her saddle. Invitation to move and trust and depend on God. And thirdly, we note that as Abram goes out, he creates altars, both at Shechem and Bethel. He builds altars to God. He he builds monuments to God, and so that's the third symbol of building a monument, building a marker, a reference to who God is in my life, your life, to mark those times, to establish those times, and to build on those times, whatever they are. So to establish markers in our lives, in your life, in my life, places where we met with God, where we wrestled with God, where decisions were made with God and we now want to move on and keep that in mind as we grow in our relationship with Him. So it means establishing your markers, because they're all going to be different, and establish your spiritual disciplines that you keep growing in your relationship and staying true to your vocation of knowing God and experiencing God. That is the direction post-Easter. Will we keep saying yes to the God who comes towards us, comes in creation, comes as person, who speaks to you, to me, person to person. Imagine the God of the universe speaking person to person to little old me, little old you. That's incredible. So may we say yes. May we hear his voice. May we be intentional in our walk with God, journey with him, And I pray all of these things
0: in Christ's name, amen.